Thank you, Brother Nelson. I just enjoy reading there when uh, King David seemed to just be, as it were, overwhelmed with the, the willingness of the people to offer their things and offer themselves uh, for, for the building of, of God's house. Uh, that's so beautiful to read that. Uh. So let's give our attention now to uh, Brother uh, Alan Martin from Pennsylvania as he uh, shares with us uh, the message of the evening. The Lord bless you. Two greetings, one in the name of, of Christ this evening. If you're human like most people are, at times like this is filled with apprehensiveness and wonderings and maybe even sometimes misgivings and everything else that your mind wonders about. But I was thinking about the song that in times like these, you need a Savior. In times like these, you need an anchor, and I trust that we can we can rest in that that we do have Christ as our anchor uh, through times like this. I've chosen this evening to speak from First Timothy chapter three, and as our brother was talking about the the Old Testament and how it needed to be built, and David wasn't allowed to, but God provided a way. He gave explicit instructions according to that, how it was to be built. And God also gives us explicit instructions in the New Testament about building his church. And tonight we are, you know, at, at communion time, we look at ourselves and, and judge ourselves as it were our worthiness uh, to partake of communion. But tonight, uh, you're required to look at somebody else and, as it were, eyeball them and see how they rate on the spectrum of, of the issue that is before us this evening. I'm going to be taking my thoughts from Chapter 3. This obviously is about the, the office of a, a bishop and the office of a deacon. I'm not going to read this, I will be referring to them, and, but I do want to turn, before we begin there, to read from Titus chapter 1, which gives an overlay of 1 Timothy chapter 3. So I'll read from Titus chapter 1, verse 7. For a bishop then, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. So we have that admonition uh, from, from the book of Timothy. This evening, God is in the ordaining business. If we will turn to Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3, it talks about the heavens and the moon and the stars, they all are ordained of God. God put them in place, and he, he chose where they should be, and 
So he, he ordained them as such. He, he, he ordered them as, to be put in the place. Then we will come into the New Testament in Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. It talks about the powers that be are ordained of God. And so regardless of how you feel about President Biden or your governor or your local authorities that exist today, uh, the powers that be are ordered by God. So I'm simplistic enough to believe this evening that, that our president was put there by, by God. I mean, he, he was ordained of God. I mean, there's a lot of the things that go in that thought process, but I, I, I trust that and I, I believe that. In Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 4, thinking about ordaining, uh, no man taketh this honor unto himself. Now, as we think of the aspect of ordaining an individual to to serve in, as you are here to our bishop or a, a deacon, no, it is something that is no man taking this honor unto himself. We are not politicians this evening. We are simply stewards of God's word and want to and, um, go from that. The Mennonite Encyclopedia gives a definition of ordination. And it reads this way. It's an act by which the church, after appropriate personal and corporal discernment, calls and appoints a person to leadership of the church. I'll read that again. An act by which the church, after appropriate personal and corporal discernment, corporal means all of us, uh, discernment, calls and appoints a person to leadership of the church. So this body of people here this evening is being asked to, to use discernment, to use proper discernment, corporate discernment, in this process of ordination. No, it's not a matter of putting somebody's name in a hat, put a bunch of names in, some, in a hat, and you swish them around and to see what comes out. That's not using discernment. No, the, the, um, the puddings of today would make fun of the way we do our ordinations. But if we really believe uh, in, uh, I have confidence in the way we, the process that we have in choosing our ministers, and I'm grateful for it. Upon saying that, I believe the lot, if the Lord sees to fit to, for there to be a lot, is used to distinguish between the qualified. And the lot is not used to weed out the unqualified. And I think that's an important thing. That, you know, that's man's part, as it were, to do the weeding out. And if we use the lot to weed out the, the unqualified, then um, I don't think the lot can be, can be used as in its important. I think it's, it undermines the importance of the lot. So let's remember that this evening. Well, the scripture tells us to labor and to know them which labor among you. Now, in the Old Testament time, Saul, we remember, he had a lot of attributes on the outward. And man looked on the outward. But we are asked here this evening to look below or look beyond or look inside uh, the, the outward. Look what's below the surface uh, on an individual. 
Well, this chapter that I will be is our re, that is referring to is in present tense. It's it's if you notice here in this particular chapter, it talks about being, and so that's that's present. That's now. Uh, other chapters it talks about how to. Uh, you know, after a person is ordained, there's a lot of instructions given to how, how uh, Timothy and Titus, how they should operate um, and, and carry out the work that God had given to them. But in this particular chapter, we are looking at the present tense. And, and so that's, that's now. What a person is presently, not what he may be in the future, because you don't know for sure what he may be in the future, but in this present tense. So in this classic scripture, as I call it, uh, I think it can help us in determining uh, our discernment into this matter. Well, here in verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 3, it reads this way. For this is a true saying, if a man desires the offices of a bishop, he desires a good work. Most of the ordained people that I know refer to this scripture not from a lofty position but rather from simply what the scripture teaches and and why are these words written here in it let's notice down in verse 14 and 15 these things write I unto you hoping to come unto thee shortly but if I tarry long that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God in other words these things prior to verse of 14 and 15 they were written so we know how to uh, that's that's how my interpretation show we know how to go about this business of ordaining a individual and so uh, and then we notice here also in uh, this verse it says about a man it doesn't say about a woman it's 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 a man and so uh, it's not the female gender we don't ordained because it would be anti-scripture in regards to that. Sometimes we get hung up on the negative of of this verse 1, a person desiring the office of a bishop, but but it is a good work. And, or a deacon, it is a good work. No, baptizing and, and helping people come to know the Lord and encouraging people. Now, all of that, as you can think of, it is a good work. And so and I remind us that it is not for self-exhortation. It is for the church. And the, the, the ordained, whether you are aware of it or not, gets the privilege, quote, unquote, of doing a lot of unthankful tasks for the church. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 12, it's for the edifying of the church. No, it is about the man. You have to look at the man, but it's for the church. It's about the church. And let's not lose sight of that, that uh, relation. <clears throat> well, this evening, would you really want somebody uh, to be ordained who's lackadaisical spiritually? Uh, would you really want someone who... Well, if he didn't feel like studying, he didn't for Sunday morning service, or instead, we'll just sing this morning and do that multiple times and and, uh, all of that. 
or to, let's just have a prayer meeting instead. That we don't, we would not appreciate that. There may be times for that, uh, emergencies and so on, but we want somebody who is on fire for the Lord, someone who is spiritual, we want somebody that that knows what it means to be born again. And you may question that comment about you mean uh, being born again. Uh, that's what that's what it said. Notice in verse nine of this chapter, uh, he's he's given these uh, admonitions here. Verse 9, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. And then skipping down to verse 16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So the uh, Paul was instructing these people that you know, they should know uh, what it was. And notice what it says here. God was manifest in the, in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels, preached to the Gentiles, and believed on in the world and received up into glory. I mean, that they were not to be somebody ignorant of, of the scripture, ignorant of why Christ came, ignorant of, of a lot of things that they, they should have known. We know that back in the Old Testament time, or in, back in the time of Christ, there were some that did a lot of questioning uh, on some of these very things. But we need to, a preacher needs to be born again. They say that men are Simons, became a Christian a number of years after his ordination as a clergyman. I trust that that was why he was still within the Catholic um, Church. Well, let's go on here then to the second one. Uh, it talks about being blameless. I believe being blameless is simply living above reproach. You know, if you look hard enough, you can find carnality in anybody. I mean, if you look hard enough, uh, well, probably with me, you wouldn't have to really look hard too hard, but you can find carnality in all of us. I, know I confess to that. Uh, but being blameless, what does that really mean? Well, we know we in the human race are not perfect, but, but as I think of someone being blameless, there's nothing you can really get a hold of to, to really condemn him to pieces, or there's nothing that you can really uh, put him to the wall for. Uh, his life is pretty much impeccable, you know, and, and so it's, 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 it's blameless. Uh, there's nothing really, that, a glaring uh, something within him that, that would disqualify him for, uh, for the office. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Well, we could think this evening that, well, this is an easy one, the husband of one wife. Well, we don't believe in divorce. We don't believe in remarriage. And we don't believe in polygamy and, and all of that stuff. But, um, but no, I am amazed this evening as to what marriages can hide. Uh, there's, there's many things that marriages can hide. I mean, a husband and wife take up for each other and cover for each other. And, and so, but it says about the husband of, of one wife. Um, but, you know, nominating somebody with marital difficulties is a recipe for disaster. Uh, it's not only a disaster for the person, but it's a disaster for the church. So, uh, like I said, uh, knowing the person. So the question can be asked then, well, how strong is the marriage, uh, this individual you're thinking of? You know, if she calls the shots now, she won't stop it when he was ordained. Uh, more than likely not, unless there's a conversion experience going on. So I, my, my, my thought process 
is don't leave this equation out of the, the discussion within your mind. Um, and we know that sometimes there are people that they would like to uh, they show favoritism uh, to their children. And so, and that is not uh, scriptural. Uh, it's um, not the way it is. But, you know, a, a wife cannot qualify a man. There's sometimes we think, you know, I'm human. I, I think this is time where there's the, she would really make a good preacher wife. She'd really make a good uh, deacon's wife or, or so on. But a wife cannot qualify the man. But then, but then you have the husband. And so that, but neither can a wife disqualify, but a wife can disqualify a man. Here you may have a man who is impeccable, but then the wife is, well, it's just not, what would you say, just not quite like it should be. And he can disqualify uh, him because of her. Um, now, we've probably all heard the story of John Wesley, that his marriage wasn't so great. And he attributed his success to her because she kept him on his knees. It's not a good recommendation. I mean, it's not the way it should be. Well, let's go on here. It talks about vigilant, or vigilant, or it means temperate toward himself or even toward others. Temperate, not given to extreme. In the life of the ordained, there are many opportunities for us to fly off the handle or to become depressed or to come, become discouraged or when there's a death, or when there's sin entered the camps, and you have to work through issues, you know, it's, it's tempered. You gotta be check on your, your reactions. And, and so uh, that's something to consider. Um, I've told people already within my, uh, some occasionally when we have uh, funerals, you know, I don't, um, I don't shed many tears at funerals. And, it's not because I don't care. It's not because I don't, am not grieving or for, for the loss or whatever. But my makeup is, if I lose my emotions, I'm done for. And I, I can sort of most envy these people that you know, they, 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 they crash emotionally and then uh, a minute later they're back up on their feet and gone again. I'm not made up that way. So I have to keep myself in check in regards to that. I've got to keep myself temperate or vigilant. Well, the next one is being sober. Now, we're nominating a bishop or a deacon. We're not in a, nominating an a, uh, entertainer or a performer. Um, let's go on to the next, uh, the, a good behavior. In other words, good behavior, I think, is we need to act our age. Now, it's okay see, for a 20-year-old to act like a 20-year-old, uh, but when he's 40, he shouldn't be acting like a 20-year-old. Uh, good behavior. Uh, I think you get the drift. But thinking of behavior, you know, what's this individual like at the hardware store? What's he like at the lumber yard? Uh, what's he like at the um, with his business dealings? I'm not talking about honest mistakes. We all are prone to that. But is he just a little shady uh, underneath it all? Does he have good behavior? I met a man years ago. He was a um, part of the Mennonite church uh, of some sort, and 
as I don't know if he knew me, but I knew him, and he was talking to the gas station attendant, and he told an off-color uh, joke, and, and I was disappointed in him. And, and, you know, think about good behavior. Well, then the question also can be asked, is he quick on the trigger? Do you have to handle him with kid gloves, so to speak? And then I come to this good behavior part, and what is the internet behavior of this individual. Now, it's something that you know, we all face. You know, I, I wish we could go back to the mid-90s when the internet wasn't a part of us. It was, it was a, a bygone history. I could wish that, uh, I wish I could say that things were all glad and glorious back in the times, but you know, that's not reality. And so but this is the world that we were handed to live in. But I think it's something that we need to um, con con consider, uh, this internet behavior. You know, it, it, can, it can destroy a person, it can destroy a home, it can destroy a marriage. And so that's something for us to also to keep in mind. Now we come to the next one where it talks about hospitality. And has hospitality changed over the years? I'm not sure, but as I think of, you know, within our constituency, at least our church, uh, when people wants to invite people for lunch, sometimes they just use the, the, the church uh, kitchen basement and invite people. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I, I, I miss being, getting invited out into the people's homes because that's when you really learn to know somebody, when you sit down at, at, on their couch at their table interact then you become an understanding of what type of people they actually are and well being hospitable I believe they should be approachable you know some preachers are second to none in the pulpit and but in the living room they're dud but then there's some preachers who are second to none um, in the living room but they sort of stumble in the pulpit does that disqualify either one of them I, I guess I guess my assessment of this uh, hospitality is be gentle in that judgment because we are all made up different. Some of us can't survive without people and some would sooner like go out and live in a <clears throat> up in the mountains someplace. Well, a caring person. But who we are before we are ordained is pretty much who we are after. And we are who we are, our personality. And Titus talked about the, a lover of hospitality. <clears throat> Let's go on then to the next one, apt to teach. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> someone has said that I never heard a sermon that I never got anything out of, but it came pretty close to it. Well, I've I, I noticed as you read down through the, the list of deacon's responsibility, that the apt to teach is not there. And as I think back in, in, in the previous years, even where my congregation, where my wife came from, and you know, some of the old deacons there, they simply did not have the apt to teach. But yet they were deacons and they were able to uh, do their job. And, and so, <clears throat> um, Let's uh, re remember that. Actions speak louder than words, but 
the meaning is able to teach. So as we think of this, you know, uh, somebody that you're nominating, they, they should be able to have apt to teach. May not be the best, but apt to teach. In our congregation, years ago, probably back in the 1800s, there was a man who was ordained here and he preached for two times and he sat down. He claimed that he, um, he couldn't preach. Um, he, had, he did have some kind of a speech impediment, at least that's what he said. I, obviously, I wasn't there, but <clears throat> some said he, did, he just didn't want to preach. I'm um, not sure how that would go. But, but you know, some of my <clears throat> boys, some of them have a knack for carpentry, and some of them don't have a knack for carpentry. I mean, that's their gifts. It doesn't make them bad or doesn't make them good. But to the confines of the scripture, it does say apt to teach. That's uh, what it says. And then it goes on to here, not given to wine. <clears throat> and I know there are many other things that could be listed as far as not given to wine. Um, <clears throat> I know I have to be careful in how I say this word, but not given to pills. Um, that could also give us uppers. You know, I, I'm, I'm not against pills because I, I have pills at home. I'm not saying that. But, but it is too nice to know what the person actually truly is without being his person I being alternated by, by pills. Um, now, that's, I'm just sharing my opinion with that. So, and then it talks about a striker. Uh, I did want to say about not giving to wine. You know, I've heard tell of, you know, that you've heard of social drinking already, and it, it should not be among us, uh, a, a social drinking, uh, not giving to wine. It's, it's, it's a, it's the, now I'll just leave that for what it's worth. But, but no striker. Now, always come, coming up with something to argue about. Strife is forbidden. Does this individual have anger issues? Well, how does he respond to adversity? Um, and then filthy lucre. Well, I believe we know what filthy lucre is. Not mean does not mean that if your ten dollar bill uh, drops in the mud puddle. But the filthy lucre is you know you can't think anything except the next buck, and that can hit all of us sometimes. We do have to make a living, and I understand that. But shady deals. I was in building uh, houses some, and, and the code is <clears throat> that you put plastic underneath the concrete uh, to keep the moisture out. And, but I, I've known some that, that they don't put plastic underneath. They said, who's going to look, tear that concrete up and look after the house is built whether there's plastic underneath it? Well, I do it for conscience sake, not only for the benefit that it does give, but for conscience sake, you know, no, as I, th I could multiply that times X amount of houses or many other things you could do shady like that, well, it ends up being a pretty decent profit. But filthy lucre. Well, let's go on. Uh, filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetousness. And many, there could be things uh, in relation to that. Um, 
But let's go on here to verse 4. And I, I want to say that I didn't write these words, okay? I, I, they're in the scripture, but I, I feel like I'm required to, to say it like it is, like I feel that scripture teaches. And I, I confess this, morning, this evening that you know, many through my years, I, I've struggled with these verses. You know, how do they relate? How does that relate to the church and all of that? And I guess I just, well, let, let's, let's see what it says here. One that ruleth well his own house, heavy in his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? I asked a respected brother once um, about these verses and what he thought they meant. And he made the comment, I'm not going to do anything with these verses. I'm simply going to leave them as they are. But as we think of, of the home, as we think of the church, you know, many of the qualifications, many of the skills that are required in raising children are the same skills and requirements that, that are needful in, in life of the church. I mean, you can't separate the, the two of them. The, the, the skills that, that are required, uh, the, the, a lot of them are the same. And, you know, um, we can, some folks would um, show favoritism in their children, uh, like being um, the firstborn is a little cut above the rest. Uh, that's really not, uh, we know from Scripture that, it never turned out too well. The people had favoritism in the home. And it wouldn't work out for us to be that way either. But if there's favoritism in the home, there's going to be favoritism in the church. It's going to hinder our judgment. It's going to hinder how we justly look at something. You know, it's, if we have favoritism, we're going to be have favorites in the church. Well, he's my brother, or he's my friend, or he's my uncle, or he's my whatever. And so we, we can't... Uh, have favoritism in our home, within our children. Neither can we have favoritism within our, within our, our church. <clears throat> well, then, verse 5, you know, see, if I was God, I'm not God, but, you know, if I, if I was writing this, no, I think I just sort of left this verse out because what does it mean anyhow? But it, it asked, in my Bible, it, it, it asked a question. It reads this way, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he show take care of the church of God? So the question is asked, and, and how shall he do that? How shall he take care of the church of God? So then if there's a question mark here, then what is the answer? Um, that this is the, the tough part. Now, does the question that is asked here, does it deserve an answer? Um, you know, I've been in a lot of discussions in these couple of these verses. You know, you can flip these verses upside down, inside out, and all, after all, they still come down to what they say. Um, so my the, the insinuated answer is that he can't. I mean, I, I don't know how else to read it, and um, I, I don't, that's that's how I interpret it. I, I don't know how else to do that. Well, then let's go on for a few more here. 
uh, not a novice, but has been lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. A novice is simply someone who is a beginner in their Christian life or someone who's in your, in your church. I don't know how it is in your circles, but in the, I, I can consider it to be an epidemic that we always we want to use the most recent addition uh, into our congregation. Um, I, I've noticed that even in our being, people being elected to the school boards and all that, you know, as soon as someone moves in from some other area, some other congregation, uh, pretty soon they're they're on the school board. They're they're doing this, they're doing that. Well, and what what does what about this thing being a novice? Um, it's wouldn't be, doesn't discernment would say, let them be there for a while and try them out first, then then use them. You know, in this particular verse here, it talks about the, the um, less being lifted up with pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. And we know that, that that can happen to someone who's, you know, they can be lifted up with pride in, in, in someone who is in office. So in actuality, who is the guilty one? Is the one who is uh, lifted up with pride, he fell, fell into the condemnation of the devil? Is it his own fault? Well, obviously it is. But who put him there? Maybe it's our fault that we are put someone in that temptation, that, that, that error of whatever. And then verse 7, it says, Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without lest he fall into the reproach and snare of the devil. A good report. You know, those people from the outside of our constituencies, they know how Christians should act and how they should respond. And my wife met a lady just recently, this past week, at a yard sale. And we have a... Um, an older, old older man that in our area that fixes and sells sewing machines, and this lady was telling all the good things about this man. You know, he talked about how he he's kind and he's considerate and he's uh, doesn't charge an arm and a leg, and he's he, and he's his wife and his children are, are congenial, and and she was given the the glories of him. Well, I, I know the man, and I believe he is a true Christian, and but. I think of someone from the outside, you know, the, the, they know how we respond into a lot of different uh, situations. But a good report, you must have a good report of them which are without. I'll say one more thing yet, and I, and I say this kindly. I don't know if I can find that in the scripture verses here that I've been referring to, but... Uh, people that and I'm, I'm trusting you'll understand what I'm saying here when I say this but people who come across as larger than life spiritually you know, we want spiritually of course we want a deep spirituality but sometimes I meet people that uh, they're just a little bit larger than life than reality as how they portray themselves as being spiritual you know I I'm not saying I can, I'm not condemning, but I just take a second look in regards to that. 
And then we can ask the question also, you know, where do you want your church to be in the next 20 years? Uh, will he find faith here? I trust that. A few verses I will refer to in closing. In Timothy chapter 6 and verse 20, it says, O Timothy, keep that which you committed, committed to your trust. And 1 Timothy 1 and verse 16, it talks about a pattern to them who believe. Those who are ordained, they should live a pattern to them who believe. I recently heard of a preacher that I didn't know, and I wanted to meet this man because I, I, I heard about him, and I wasn't sure if he was a true blue man or not, even though he was a preacher. And so uh, here recently I had the opportunity to meet this individual, and I, because I wanted to size him up, you know, what this individual's like. And so I, I, in my discussions with him, we were talking about an, an, an issue, and um, I, I, I appreciated his his attributes, his 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 how he was, how he portrayed himself. You know, you can almost feel the love and concern that it was just sort of oozing out of him. And this situation we were talking about was not a part of their constituency, but he still had a lot of uh, respect uh, and encouragement uh, toward that situation. Well, may God help us in, in regards to that. And my encouragement, I want to turn to Second Peter and chapter 1. Second Peter, chapter 1. And verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. May that be your experience this evening as you take up this responsibility in nominating um, someone for these, this office that as it were, in the prophecy of old time, the holy man of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. May that be your experience this evening. May the Lord bless the furtherance of this work.